exciting, Jim. But not as we know it. This is big. It is 18 minutes past 4pm on Wednesday the 6th of April 2022 and you are listening to The Bashcast. First, some background. I recorded the first half of this Bashcast last Thursday on my 44th birthday. I then went out and things got so messy I spent the next six days feeling like I celebrated my 78th birthday. I've only just got round to finishing the second half of the Bashcast. If it sounds temporally all over the place, then that is why. Coming up in this evening's Bashcast, I experienced a negative EV trip to Hobbycraft. A bookie bashing subscriber hits the largest win of his betting career. FTS Income had a networking event in Manchester. They were kind enough to invite us to join them there. The art of edge identification. Five different types of edges in sports advantage play and a US Masters betting preview. Largest betting concession event of the year. We're talking metrics, each way betting, outright win betting, first round leader and fantasy draft golf selections. All of that and more coming up on the Bashcast this evening. Good morning, good afternoon, just good afternoon. Valero Texas Open is on in the background. Um, all my golfers, bar someone eight, and all but one, Richard Bland, are in the morning session. I don't think it makes much difference when it's Texas, where there's going to be quite similar and mild. I often go over to Phoenix in Arizona um, uh, and Scottsdale and that sort of area. And the weather there is just extraordinary to the point. It's like one of the sunniest places on earth because it's like near Death Valley in California, which is the sunniest place on earth. And I think it's something like 325 sunny days out of 365. But I tell you this, they don't notice. They take it for granted. You know how we get three sunny days as we did last week in the UK and now it's snowing again in air. you know, coming up to April. But last week we had like three days of 20 degrees with a little bit of blue sky peeking through and everyone's in shorts. Um, You know what I mean? And sleeveless t-shirts. And you just love it. It's great because it's so changeable and rare event that when it comes along, you walk out and say, oh, this is going to be a good day. This is going to be a good day. It's sunny. I was a bit miserable, but I've opened the door, I look at this and I'm not miserable anymore. It's not like that in... Scottsdale and in Phoenix because it's just like that every single day. So what are you going to do? Open the door? Yeah, it's sunny again as it was. So anyway, it looks like a tricky course. Half the field, over half the field. Only six course players are on the course just now. They've all done one hole, and three players are on one over and one player's on two over. 
and Brandon Hagee is the early leader. So it looks like this is going to be a tricky course. One of the trickiest courses for greens and regulation. I'm going to skip golf this week anyway. That's my golf chat. Done and dusted for the week. I am £320 unexpectedly poorer this afternoon. Um, as a result of accidentally flirting with a 75-year-old woman, which has pissed me off. I mean, personal responsibility, it was all my own fault, but I didn't need to go there. So um, I'm doing this canvas outside, this graffiti canvas, right? And um, it's of... So I've got a sort of double carport outside, very, very tall hedges, like 30 feet. And so um, I asked my buddy to erect... Uh, a load of MB MDF along the side of the carport in front of the hedge. And so what that allows me to do is just paint it white or blue or something like that, just uniform colour, and then I can graffiti over the paint with the kids. A lot of fun. Got the spray paint cans and the markers. And then when we're bored of it, we'll just paint it white again and start again. So it's a never-ending canvas, you know what I mean? So this time around, we're doing um, we're doing some Mario figures just the cartoon marios i've got bullet bill i've got uh mario i've got shy guy i've got the flower i've got the little question box and the coin and everything like that i couldn't get the flower's head right just freestyling it so um i've gone to the drop my kids off and then pop into the craft shop just to pick up some slightly thicker paper so that i can start stenciling with it so all i want is the slightly thicker paper and i want a, a few blades as well um to cut the stencils out with. That's all I want. Um, and I pop in and I pick up um, a couple of other things because I'm there anyway. And I pick up a paintbrush and I pick up um, um, some just cheapo canvases. And then I say to the woman, I can't find the, the, the blades, the cutting blades anywhere. And she's like 75 years old, this woman. And she walks me to the corner that I hadn't been in. And so we're just chatting, going all the way there going quite well I mean I haven't spoken to anyone in a couple of days because my wife's been in London and I've just been looking after the kids um, and so I decide on which particular blade I'm going to get um, and then I walk back to the tills with all the stuff that I've got and I'd literally gone in for three pounds worth of papers you know slightly thick stenciling paper and some blades and I've ended up with a basket of about 25 pounds and I'm bemoaning this to her um, and then I said, I might as well just pick up that craft desk there. Um, and I said, um, cheekily, with a bit of a wink, I said, um, do you reckon I would be able to carry that out? And she looked me up and down and she said, it is quite heavy. It's probably a two person job. And I have been on the barbell early morning this morning. It happens to be my birthday today. So I got up way earlier than the kids. Six o'clock in the morning, kids are going to get up at 7.15, so we've got an hour and 15 minutes to hit the peloton and do some squats and cleans and thrusters and so on and so forth. So I'm feeling strong. And she looked at me up and down. Now, look, I'm 5'8", I'm not the tallest guy in the world, but I'm a strong 5'8", right? And uh, I took immediate exception to this. <laughs> and so I smiled at her and I said, I, well, I am quite strong. I know you say it's a two-person... I am quite strong, right? So, are you sure? And she went, she started laughing and went, well, if you're quite strong, you might be able to do it by yourself. And to which I just went, okay, 
I'll buy it then. And I don't know where those words came out for, for of my mouth. I had no plans for a craft desk. Craft desk wasn't on the horizon. I don't need a craft desk. We have a, a real desk. We have two desks. My wife has an office. I have an office. We have desks. We have a dining table to draw with the kids. What do I want with a craft desk? Anyway, now that I've said this to her, I can't back down. And she sends a man to go and get the craft desk. And uh, I'm not actually strong enough to lift this thing up. So I'm dragging it through the car park. <laughs> it's like the whole thing's full of metals and timbers and everything like that. And yeah, I am th unexpectedly £300 uh, poorer today as a result of flirting with a 75-year-old woman. So I hope you had a good weekend. I was in Manchester this weekend for the FTS networking event, I think it's called. FTS income um, networking event, which was at Hotel Football, which is the football, is the hotel that is owned by, what's his face? Gary Neville, Phil Neville, Ryan Giggs, the rest of the... Uh, um, the sort of 1996 Alex Ferguson team. It's quite a nice place. I'll tell you what, they do food in that hotel. I've had worse... It's like conference buffet food. I've had worse food in restaurants. It's actually pretty decent. Um, and those guys had invited me up and a couple of others up to do just a chat. It's quite a nice little event, actually. They just get everyone together. There's a bar. There's some food. And they just chat about trading on football, trading on horses, gambling, all things like that. You know what I mean? So I like these things where people get to get together because gambling is quite a solo sort of activity where you don't really get to speak your mind properly through to other people. I mean, for starters, we've got the tragedy of the commons, which means that people simply are not benefited by generally sharing edges with each other so you've got to go out and sort of figure out the edges for yourself or see if you can get some help from wherever you can get help from so that's the first blocker in the gambling industry and then um there's a lot of sort of sniping and there can be some negativity so it was really good to see everybody sort of at this event all on the same team all sort of driving towards learning from each other and but when you meet people in person everybody just to a t is a good guy. It's only, I think, when I meet people online that I ne don't necessarily <laughs> sort of see eye to eye with absolutely everybody. I mean, there was a guy just, um, oh, it was a bit of a chancer, to tell you the truth. He came along and he said, um, can, I have a free, can I have free access to your site? Now, we have a lot of people that work for the site, a lot of resource that goes into it, a lot of overheads. It costs a lot to keep it going. Uh, so, no. Uh, it's simply, I mean, we don't offer anybody free access. It's not just you. It's not nothing personal. But no, you just can't have it. And he said, um, it doesn't look that good. It looks pretty bad. So I think it would be, you know, best if you just gave me free access to it. It's like, would you just walk into a restaurant and ask for free food, even if you thought the restaurant was bad? Would you walk? Well, for starters, if you thought the restaurant was bad, what are you doing walking in there and asking for food in the first place? But would you do that? Um... And then there was a chap at the event who tells me, and I, th I found this quite funny. Um, he said, um, you know, he, he can tell people that he's making money out of bookie bashing. Most people still don't um, don't believe it or are naturally very suspicious. 
And I may butcher the exact specifics of this, but um, it was something along the lines of the fact that he had a friend who was a, a maybe a Betfair employee or trader or something like that. And he was telling them that he was doing really well on the lucky 15s. And this Betfair employee laughed at the idea that some automated software could come up with um, value bets that weren't OBS. And he said um, he could, he bet that he could blindly pick horses and put them into lucky 15s that would outperform an automated tracker from bookiebashing.net, not knowing anything about how we come up with our horses at bookiebashing.net. He was just generally very naturally sus- uh, suspicious of it. And a lot of people are. Sometimes um, suspicion can be very healthy, right? Anyway, um, I don't quite know how big the sample size was, but the two of them had this little test. And yeah, um, our friend who was using the bookie bashing tracker had about 15, 20% ROI over the sample size. And the blind um, selection technique of the Betfair employee was like minus 15% at the end of it. What did that prove? Very little. There was a good little blog though from... um, Rowan over at Smart Betting Club. It's always interesting to see um, the, 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 the strange thing about Formula. Again, I was sort of explaining this at the talk is that um, if uh, you're doing very well gambling, the last thing you're ever going to do is publicize it. So people will maybe, um, you know, they're generally winning. Look at the snow come down outside now. That's mad, that is. That is mad. It's like summer. Some of the. It's summer the first right now. And. There's just loads. I was about to go out and just top up the mask of shy guy on the on the on the canvas outside. I'm not going to do that anymore. But yeah, um, this concept of if people are a gambling forum, if people are doing well, they'll stay silent, and if people are doing badly, they will let you know. So the act, the pendulum actually swings to looking like it's doing badly, right? Just as a natural result of that, and you you can log on to the um, 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 golf channels and the horse racing channels, especially after a good week. What was it that I said last week or the week before? Edge Alerter sent out an email saying that they had a particular forty fifty percent return on investment, and he gets people asking, "How does he do it?" I don't, and I'm not. I'm okay with that. I don't need emails saying how does he i'm not here for the plaudits i'm here just to share it what i do have is that when we have a weekend where we don't get a winner we have polls of you know how much have people lost this week (laughs) or stuff like that so sometimes it's like you don't know if people are doing well or not you sort of you, you have to go by the independent results tracking and your own results tracking to make sure that it's working so um there had been some i don't know some aspersions that the horse racing tracker hadn't been returning um an amazing roi but we've been we track the results and nothing has changed really it's just small sample sizes with some people that it looks like that but um rowan over at sbc um writes a diary where he follows horse racing from services such as the bet alchemist northern monkey uh, racing service one and he added the bookie bashing horse racing tracker to that. He allocates a, a bankroll to each of these. He's so a hundred bankroll, and you know he, he, I, we don't tell him what horses to pick. He just picks his own horses, um, puts them into lucky fifteens, um, and um, he started doing that a few weeks ago. He said um, it's going to be a long term game, but he expects you know he that he should be in the positive sooner rather than later. And he writes. Um, 
yesterday racing how to nearly double your bank with one small bet thursday the 24th of march 16 to 1 placed 16 to 1 win 8 to 1 win 11 to 1 win and that was my bookie bashing racing tracker lucky 15 one of six lucky 15s i placed in that day and wow that one bet provided 90 points of profit from a 100 point bank Without a shadow of a doubt, the most profitable single bet I've ever placed. I went to bed with a smile on my face, I can tell you that. I just I would imagine what it would have paid out if the 16 to 1 hadn't placed but had won instead. Um, I've been saying that it was only a matter of time before I hit the big one with bookie bashing. I've placed a good number of multiples now and up to this point I was regularly getting two to place or one to place with a winner or a winner and two placed you get the picture i just needed the places and winners to align it is is exactly right the thing about these lucky 15s is like you know generally one place it it, it obviously it depends on the magnitude of the odds but generally a place is going to be a lose two places a little lose three places should be some profit four places should be looking quite decent um it's all about aligning the places and aligning the wins place 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 even though there's no wins, can actually be a really decent return. Even though the zero, you know, in fact, having win place, place, place is barely better than a place, 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 place because the win isn't compounded with anything else in the multiple. It's a really weird thing, you know. So if you've got a place, 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 you sort of don't care if the last horse wins or places as long as it does one of the two. You know, second's almost as good as first at that point. Uh, the snow is pelting it down. I keep getting distracted by it. It just seems so weird. Sorry. Um, overall, I am just so impressed with bookie bashing. Everything they do and have in the site reeks of profit and how to gain it as long as you understand the principles of expected value. Accept that it can take a fair amount of time for the positive EV to kick in, but remain firm in your conviction that it will and set yourself up appropriately in terms of a betting bank, then you will profit, which is very true. Uh, it could be months before I hit another winner like the one last Thursday or it could happen again tomorrow. No one knows and no one can predict, but it will happen again. In the meantime, this one bet has pulled my racing portfolio into profit as a collective for the first time this year. And having been running at a fairly hefty negative ROI, I'm now sailing along at nearly 45% happy days. Then he lists the other racing service. It wouldn't be prudent for me to comment on the ROI of these guys because I haven't done in-depth investigation and I don't know how big the sample size is so it could be meaningless for me to even do that um, regardless um, um, the BB racing tracker are uh, that he has had a bankroll of 100 staked 40 points he's currently plus 116 points that's an ROI of 290.2% and a return on capital of 116.1% good on you it's good to hear i like hearing about stuff like that so back to the um talk that i did up at FTS income it was very nice to meet i think there were three people there that were members of bookie bashing including one person who's almost been a member since the very first um um um, time we went to Ultimate and it was just good to see the old timers and put faces to names to faces and faces to names it was a long way up there um, from me and then I dropped the kids at the grandparents so I had to to run before the end but it looked like it was um, it was getting a little bit live the music seemed pretty decent and there was some good talk and some good bands up there there was um, uh, um, 
a good a, a funny conversation with someone who had come up and um, he'd been listening to the episode about where I had left the handbrake off and crashed into the Porsche. Um, and when he asked me if I had uh, remembered to put my handbrake on, I suddenly got really worried that he was talking about the fact that perhaps there was a car that was crashed outside and um, that I had done it again. Um, but he was just referencing back to the, to the Bashcast. Getting to anything with references to lady humps? I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. <sighs> My lovely lady hump. I'm not skating to anything with references to lady humps. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. <sighs> no, it's not. It's it gets the people going. And really, I mean, there is some truth in the dark arts and that there were areas that I had to sort of made sure that I focused on. I wish I had the notes still up here, but off the top of my head, um, they are um, the art of, if you're going to be a professional gambler, you need to work on edge identification. So you need to be able to work out the edges yourself and not rely on others. The art of getting on, because of course there's no point in um, having an edge and not being able to get money on, on it. The art of staking optimally, because... You know, you've got to train yourself to stake high enough and you've got to really be betting on the, vet, the the best opportunities as high as you possibly can. And then the art of psychological management, which has been covered over and over again. But again, there are lots of people who know how to identify edges, who know how to stake optimally, who know how to get on, but still can't handle the psychological variance involved with being uh, professional gambling. So I covered those. I thought the, the, the interesting one, actually, um, that I should really do something about on the badge cast was the five areas of edge identification. Now, these are my five areas of edge identification. And I don't profess to be doctor, professor, edge identification guy. Um, yeah, other people will certainly have more, certainly edges that don't want to be shared and um, ruined. But when putting bookie bashing together and working as a, you know, identifying the areas that I have to work on for edge identification, I came up with the, the following list, and that is each way bets. The fact that we're very lucky in this country that we have the each way bet because there's no linear relationship in any market between the win and the place price and that is therefore open to quite a lot of exploitation the biased prices the fave long bias the male female bias even the the bias markets on the exchanges if something's boosting it's exploitable there the steamers in the especially in the shop football coupons where we go steam chasing chasing that smart money Pricing stuff up ourselves, just going back to first principles, knowing our limits, we're not going to be able to price up Manchester United versus Man City any better than the really millions of pounds of sharp money. But, you know, identifying where we can price things up and getting an edge there and doing so. And of course, concessions, not concessions in terms of the £5 free bet, but maybe the treble odds for a winner, the all winners bonus, the DDHH, stuff like that. So really enjoyed going up. Um, it's sort of... Um, I hope it was beneficial for them. I mean, I, I can't be glib enough to say how, what, how I think it went. I think it went well. Maybe everyone was sleeping through it, but it did certainly. It, things like that. Um, what do I get out of it? Well, it helps structure my thoughts. And structuring your thoughts is really is something that I think is very important. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, I, what, what do I get out of it? I don't get anything out of it. Well, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I, I take a step back and I think about what and why... It, what it is that I'm going to say and why I'm going to say it and how I'm going to say it. And actually in that process, 
I find it very beneficial for me. So we haven't done this for a little bit of time, but never say never, right? Chaps, you are listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by BookieBashing.net. And welcome back to the Bashcast. That was the third of the Shy Guys by DJ Blandy from the album Filofax Johnston 2022. Uh, So the time now sponsored by Accurist is 20 minutes to 1pm on Wednesday, which is generally the time that 
I sort out all of my golf. So I've done all the pre-preparation. I've done everything that I need to do. I'll tell you what, the golf last week. No, the Valero Texas Open was last week. Um, I only had one golf a place and that was enough for profit. Isn't that fun? Troy Merritt, just because he was so big EV. So I was taking a little bit higher on him. And um, yeah, I did well, quite well in DraftKings. I made a small profit. On the um, on the each ways busted the outrights, but Celavi. So the week before that was an interesting one. The week before that was the WGC uh, match play, and that was a bit outright. That was a bloodbath after the group round. I had quite a few golfers, and what was interesting in match play is following the stroke strokes gained because generally in strokes gained well strokes gained overall you basically just look at have a look at the leaderboard um you can split it up into strokes gained putting strokes gained approach strokes gained um off the tee and there's there's one more on strokes gained around the green and these are essentially saying how many how many you know, strokes you picking up against the average of the field. So if the field is averaging two, um, 2.2 putts and you're averaging two putts, you'll probably be picking up about 0.2 putts against the field. Your strokes against the field is a little bit more to it than that, but that's the rough idea. Um, so perhaps Bryson's picking up a load of strokes off the tee, but his putting's letting him down and his overall means that he's 40th in the leaderboard kind of thing. So it's a good metric for splitting up different attributes and it's a good metric... Um, for match play where of course you could shoot 10 over on a hole and it doesn't matter or you could constantly be getting eagles but if you're unlucky enough to be up against someone else that's constantly getting eagles then you could lose to him even though the other guy who's bogeying every hole is just up against a guy that's double bogeying every hole plays a lot worse than you but he gets a point and you don't uh, we identified through having a look at some metrics that were in play at the WGC um, match play that Thomas Peters might perform very well. Thomas Peters was in a group with... If, can I dig this out? Where was he? Scotty Scheffler won it against Dustin Johnson. Wasn't on either in the final. Wasn't even on either in the semi-final. And given that all my each-way bets were four places, that was over for me. I had two in the last 16, Kevin Nahr and Will Zalatoris. Of course, they happened to face off against each other in the in the last 16. Um, Kevin Nahr went through, but then went out in the quarters. So it was a full bust, which is going to happen quite a lot of the time. So it's not a problem that it's a full bust. Um, just a bloodbath, though, really. My, my All my focus was on Thomas Peters because he was my big bet. And he was in a group, group 12, with Tom Hogue, Minwoo Lee, and um, Billy Horschel. Right? So in... Um, Round one, right at the beginning, uh, he gets off to a flyer, and he's one of the best on the course. He beats Tom Hogue two and one. Tom Hogue or Tom Hoagie was playing very well, um, and Thomas Peters beat him despite how well he was playing. We go into the second match, and a win here probably puts him through. A lot of people, once they've won their first two matches, they're in an extremely good position. And um, he's flying against Min Woo Lee, absolutely flying. And then, um, you know, on the 14th, he's two up with four to play. How do you not win that? Well, you don't win it by Min Woo Lee winning every hole up, up until then. And then, you know, Min Woo Lee beats Thomas Peters just. I mean, he had to, 
had to, he had to beat him on every single hole from the fifteenth onwards. Essentially, you know, f- four strokes, birdie, 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 bloody Minwoo Lee goes birdie eagle birdie. He went, which he can do because he hit the ball very far. But after two rounds, if you ranked all of the players in the tournament, all 64 players, Thomas Peters was number one in terms of strokes gained. So despite the fact that he just won one and lost one, which everyone had done, he was number one. He was playing the best. And then round three, he just needs to tie against Billy Horschel to probably go into some sort of playoff, beat Billy Horschel to probably just um, win the group. Uh, just depend what happens between Tom Hoagie and Minwoo Lee. And again, Thomas Peters is um, two up on the 16th. So he just has to tie one of the last two holes and he's probably through. And he manages to lose them both. And then he went out as a result of that. And if you look at the strokes gained in the field compared to everyone else, he was actually third out of 64 players. Scheffler, who won it, was second. So Thomas Peters played some of the best golf and didn't even get through the group stage. Um, I think he skipped the Valero Texas Open. And this brings us to now. And the reason I'm talking about this now is this is my master's preparation. Um, I had a look at what I wanted to look at for metrics, essentially, in the master's. And I've got to pick my selections to send over to weekly golf value. And I'm probably going to put the same ones up at um, Bucky Bashing this week. Sometimes I don't do that, but I'm just being a little bit lazy. So this is the process. I thought I'd talk about the process on the Bashcast. I've got to think and act at the same time, which means there's going to be lots of clicking and dials in the background. Um, close all windows there. You can't get that to shut up. My computer's literally on um, mute, and I can't get that bu- 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 to notification sound to stop. There, there, I know there are more important things going on in the world just now, but that's terribly, terribly frustrating. In 2021, if you remember watching it last year, Will Zalatoris, one of the best players out there with his irons, beat uh, Hideki Matsuyama, one of the best players out there with his irons. The reason being, if you have a look at what's difficult about Augusta, the stimp meter, which measures how much the um, ball rolls along the green, is off the charts. The putting surfaces at Augusta National are legendary. Those green coats keep them so quick that they perplex the best putters in the world. Tiger Woods even rolled his first ever Masters putt straight off the green in 1997, and he calls that moment one of the most embarrassing moments that I can ever remember. So there's two things going on here. We want good putters, but also it doesn't matter if you're a good putter if you're always putting it 20 feet, 25 feet from the hole. You need to be a good putter, and your approach needs to be good as well. So um, those two, if you look historically, have always sort of identified who's going to win. 2021 was a bit different because um, um, it was extremely windy and wet. Uh, Dustin Johnson took out a lot of the course by um, what he was doing off the tee, his iron play and everything like that. Um, His irons were basically always on the fairway and he was driving far enough to take, a lot, take out most of the hazards in 2020, although they have changed it around recently to bring those hazards back in play. Tiger Woods won in 2019. That was a bit outrageous, um, um, given 
he, he came sort of out of nowhere after a period of not really performing. But I think looking historically, I've gone to Fantasy Labs and I've extracted the data for Augusta, looked at the US Masters historically, what trends have historically identified players that have done well in these tournaments. And then we pick up those previous years. It really looks like driving the ball, approaching the green, putting the green. Now, there are various other metrics we could look at. Putts per round, birdie scoring, eagle scoring, um, around the green scrambling, missed cuts, things like that. But those are the three that I'm picking up for Augusta. So I've taken those three metrics and then I've taken the... um, the odds of every player in the field from Betfair. Some of them don't have a chance. It's the weird thing about the US Masters. There's only 91 people, places. There's a lot of people, and it's a very lazy argument, standing around going, I can't believe they're only paying seven places, they're only paying eight places. Look, Sky are playing 11 places. This is a golf tournament where um, there's 91 entrants. Normally, we see 150 and of those 91 entrants, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 aren't going to win. I'm telling you now. So we have 72 entrants. Why are 19 entrants not going to win? Because it's an invitational tournament. VJ Singh's not going to win. Sandy Lyle, sorry to break it to you, isn't going to win. Larry Mize isn't going to win. Fred Couples isn't going to win. Bernard Langer isn't going to win. So you've got all of these invitationals, these guys who are coming along to Augusta, they're not going to win. So now we've got a field of 73. It's half the field size of normal PGA DP World Tour events. And all of the bookmakers are pushing out concessionary headline prices because they think they're going to bring in the recreational punters. They're not. They're wrong. Their marketing departments are wrong here. And if you go online and take advantage of William Hills and however many places there are, um, they will just restrict you. So um, it's it's not the, the strategy that the bookmakers are employing for the Masters isn't working. What do they want pe- people to come in and bet on golf week after week? Probably. It's a bit annoying for us people that do bet on golf week after week because now if I, uh, I go into Paddy, Paddy Power, to place my bets, they've got a max shop limit of £3,000. And I place a lot of bets in shops, mostly Paddy Power, Betfred, Occasional Independence, um, because of the anonymity, the ease of getting on, it's the art of getting on. You employ the shops, you employ the runners. In fact, I had a, one of my runners send in quite a funny um, message. He's out there just now getting on some golfers. What have we got in the last few minutes before I put this on airplane? Just ran into your, uh, you're not an arbor, are you? Friend in Kidderminster, uh, William Hill. Well, the bell end he is. But, uh, I went, looked him straight in the eye and said, how am I going to arb these fucking football multiples? He goes, oh, yeah, there's a bit going on. I said, yeah, I'll come in and put football trebles on and lucky 15s as well. Am I going to be arbing them? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I guess not. <laughs> Sat back down and put bets on. Oh, that guy is an asshole. I'm really sorry, but he is. He really pissed me off when I had my one encounter with him a few years ago. Um, That was when I was in Kidderminster. I just happened to be in Kidderminster, and I popped into the William Hill. And um, um, look, there's a guy... There's a guy behind the the, 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 the till. And I'm always really friendly when I go into the shops. It's like, head up, smile, 
say hello, ask the person how they're doing, how's their day been? You know, it's not probably complete, you know, joyous, fun 24 hours a day standing in the betting shop. And this guy obviously was, he had the aura. He had quite a lot of auras, to tell you the truth. He had the aura of someone that wasn't just basic level staff, cashier. He had the aura of someone that hadn't washed for a couple of days. Look, we can't, as we get older, we're going to put a little bit of weight on. We all are. Our metabolisms change. It's something we've got to fight. I certainly have a periods of time. I'm going to. I'm planning on one at the end of this month where I'm going to be putting on a stone or two at an all-inclusive over in Turkey in the Mediterranean. And um, probably not two. Two in a week might be a lot. But I do. I certainly fluctuate quite a lot. I put on a lot during Christmas. But you know, I'm a grown man. I know how to do a few things. I know how to shower every day. And anyone can have a haircut. You know, if you've got a really messy haircut. Anyone can look smart just by the action of having a haircut every couple of weeks. I've got hair that grows in every single direction. It's almost unmanageable. And so the way to manage it is every two, three, four weeks, me and my boy will go for a haircut. It's an enjoyable time and it helps me manage not looking like a complete scruffy git, which would occur if my hair gets any longer than, you know, a month, a month's worth of growth. Um, Anyone can pick a barbell up. Anyone can go for a jog. You know, even if you put some weight on because you've been drinking a bit too much and you've been eating a bit too much, you can put on some muscle definition, you know, best of both worlds. This guy had none of that. He was extremely scruffy. He was extremely sweaty. Um, He got to the stage where bald was probably the best option for him, the way that his hairline was going. And all none of this would have been an issue if his personality and his aura wasn't as such. But he, he shouts over to me as I'm on the machine. I'm, I'm, the problem with the machine is I'm loading 20s into the machine, right? I'm trying to get about six, seven, eight hundred quid in there because I'm betting SP on some horse races. I'm just blindly betting some horses' starting price. And um, I bet a few, two or three, and I'm feeding more in. And then this guy who I was nice to when I came in shouts over the betting shop, Oi, mate, you're not arbing, are you? Just like he says to my friend, uh, you're not an arbor, are you? He must say this to so many people over the day. Now, I, I had a better comeback than the one I actually gave because I was betting at SP. I should have just asked him how how I was meant to arbor SP. But I did say, what is arbing? And he sort of stared at me and glared at me over his glasses with a kind of look of... He didn't say anything. He didn't reply to me. But um, he was like looking at me going, you know what arbing, mate, is. And incidentally, yeah, I do know what arbing is. And what I wasn't doing was arbing. What I was doing was much, much worse for his bottom line. But he doesn't need to know that. Um, And I had this feeling when I left. It was one of those, do you ever get caught in a conversation where someone says something to you and the next day when you're in the shower, you then think of the perfect reply to him. That will, that happened to me, but it happened to me every day for the next month. I kept rerunning exactly how I should have dealt with this guy. Anyway, I've been going on so long. I've just lost track of the time. It's 12.57. I'm, I'm really trying to get these up by one o'clock. Well, the one o'clock's coming up. Let's see how we can do this. Okay, so anyway, going back to the attributes, the, the, the attributes for the masters, by identifying driving distance, strokes gained, putting and strokes gained approaching the green, and by taking all of the players' back odds or last traded price from um, Betfair. And if I do this too early, a lot of players don't have 
uh, traded price on Betfair, which is why sometimes the graph doesn't come out super early for more minor tournaments. Um, because I'm waiting for that price. Then get rid of the guys that haven't got a chance because I just I simply don't care about them. Incidentally, there was one player that the exchanges suggest could have a chance, and I don't have any data for him that's relevant. You see, I try and go and get the data from the PGA, from the Corn Ferry Tour, from the DP World Tour. Guess who I can't get data for? I can't get data for Tiger because nothing's relevant. I don't know how far he's hitting the ball. Rory said he was hitting the ball like he used to be hitting the ball, but I don't believe he's hitting the ball like he used to be hitting the ball. So I'm not going to use it. And what strokes gained putting and strokes gained approach the green do I have on Tiger? Lazilcho is what I've got. And so I've got this graph. I can't put Tiger in there. I can't put a score on him. Um, I have ranked everybody. Um, I then highlight some people who are in yellow, which these these people sit on something known as the efficiency frontier. So this is a multi-criteria analysis, meaning I take three different criteria that are essentially different units. They, they aren't directly comparable. They're not measurable against each other. But you, we can use a branch of maths called multi-criteria analysis or multi-attribute decision-making, which means that we can find a way of com normalizing the data sets, combining these three together, and then giving them a utility function or ranking them with a score in other words. You know, just giving them a score out of anything, out of one, out of five, out of ten. I give them a score out of five. It's nice and clean, right? So I give everybody in the score, in the field, a score out of five. Now, if you sit highly with that score, that doesn't mean that you're going to win. It just means you're going to do relatively well compared to the people that are at the same price as you. Does that make sense? So the guy who is five out of five, and there's always one person that's five out of five and the rest of the field are scored relative to him. I'm not saying he's the favorite to win. I'm saying relative to everybody else around his price, he's the best compared to everyone else in the field. So... I've ranked Thomas Peters the highest. Now, there's something going on when you bring in the strokes gained from the DP World Tour into the PGA. It's not like for like. You, if the PGA is a more competitive field, and it may be with higher purses, then those strokes gained don't mean as much. And I try, I do try to take that into account. Otherwise, you always see the DP World guys doing really well. It's also why I try and bring in measurable attributes into the graph like driving distance, because you can't argue with that. Thomas Peters hits the hits the ball 300 and whatever meters, or yards, sorry. You know, that's exactly comparable against anyone, everyone in the PGA. But yeah, I then, from those, try and pick out three players who seem to score very highly with respect to everyone else in their group of odds. And I've got, for this tournament, Thomas Peters, who's probably my number one from the graph, Shane Lowry and Cam Smith. And then my more minor highlighted players, Victor Hovland, Sam Burns, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tyrrell Hatton, Bob McIntyre, Taylor Gooch, and Mackenzie Hughes. Those are my guys. Now, I, that doesn't mean I'm betting on any of these guys. It probably means that they're going to factor a lot in my decision-making. But if the bookmakers are offering 10 to 1 on Thomas Peters, he's no bet. If the exchange is offering 10 to 1 on Thomas Peters, he's no bet, because I do this graph a little bit of time before I bet on the exchange win only. Um, so what I do with this graph is I then pick up the tracker, and use the graph and i've got a mixture of high ev low odds and the graph i'll do the same with DraftKings as well and i'm going to do this now it's now two minutes past one i should already have got them out this is going to be late this week sorry everyone no first things first i haven't loaded up the golf tracker yet golf tracker is on that um shortcut there 
And I've got a little spreadsheet because I have a button that other people don't have. I'm sorry. But I was talking about the uh, golf tracker the other day at the, the FTS income thing um, where we were just talking about how it used to be a series of spreadsheets. And there was someone there that remembers when we just used to post uh, JPEGs of spreadsheets up. That's all we would do. And so, of course, those spreadsheets are... And what we would do in the spreadsheets, we have all the players in the rows and all the bookmakers in the columns, and then we use the same mathematics that we currently do just to score everybody in the field. And if you're red, you're bad, and yellow, you're marginal, and green, you're a bet. But the thing is, with a static JPEG, we would post it, and one second later, it's out of date, isn't it? This is So the tracker that we have is exactly the same mathematics. Oh, we're doing a lot of work just now about in-play as well look out for that it's going to come very shortly right i've got the us masters now i've got a little button here to download the selections and the reason for that is i'm constantly reviewing all the data we'd love to offer it to people but we can't the reason why we can't is um it would make it extremely easy for um the golf tracker to be ripped off and shared um and it's a matter of fact that people rip up rip off the a load of our tools right and um they share them on Telegram for like X pounds a month or whatever. And it's crap because they go out of date immediately and you don't get access to anything else, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But some people do this. So if we um, gave access to this download button that I have just now, um, unfortunately, it means that it's easier for people to do that, which is why we can't give access to people. Which is annoying because people have asked for it. And I understand that it's useful for runners and stuff like that. But what can you do? So I've downloaded all the Plus EV golfers from the tracker. Uh, at all bookmakers. I've filtered out EV 100 and below. And I've put them in my spreadsheet. And I'm now going to sort by EV. So I've got my list by EV now. Um, interesting. I can immediately see there's a couple of guys up at the top here that weren't there yesterday when I was doing a trial run of this um so my immediate question that i want answered is um who is big ev and small odds uh, and can i get the trifecta of big ev small odds and scoring highly on the chart that would be the perfect one right so let's bring the chart up so Thomas Peters, 120% EV at Bet365, Star Sports, uh, 888 Sports. That's a great start, isn't it? So he goes straight in. He's, um, how's Shane Lowry and... Shane Lowry, 117% at the Sport Nation Group. And Cam Smith. How's Cam Smith doing? So there's a few shorties that are pretty decent EV here. Connors, Cantley, John Rahm at William Hill, 112%. I mean... That's going to be online, right? Uh, Justin Thomas, Skybet. You know, it's really good when these shorties are plus EV. So we, we, we have options to play with here. I want to know about Vic Hovland. Matt Fitzpatrick's there. He's jumping out at me, 117% at Mr. Jeff Banks. I don't know, that's Casey at Jeff Banks. I don't really think I can put a selection up where he's plus EV at Jeff Banks, can I? So just with the three Peters, Lowry and Fitzpatrick, I'm already at 
percent. Bob McIntyre interested me. He's got uh, I was talking to everybody. He's got um, experience in the field. He's one hundred and twenty percent at Skybet. 11 places, he's not going to win, he's probably, you'd hope he was going to place and be competitive. I seem to have Taylor Gooch every single week. Fortunately, he's not higher than 117%, which is pretty high baseline. In fact, I don't think he's plus EV as well. I'm glad to see that because I'm sort of bored of doing him. Seamus Power is an amazing player that's come through the Corn Ferry. Max Homer is the highest two-figure golfer at 81 uh, 80 to 1, 128% EV. So I've got six players now. I've covered 8% of the field. So I need another mega shorty because just now I've got 50 to 1, 50 to 1, 100 to 100 to 110 to 1, 80 to 1. I mean, I cap my players at um, 8 because of logistical reasons. I could have 10, I could have 12, I could have 20. You know, if you've got the outsiders, you probably do want 20. Xander Shaufeli who's a shorty at 26, 25 to 1 at William Hill, or Sam Burns at 33 to 1, are similar EV, and Scotty Scheffler. The guys at William Hill, uh, the, who are really short at William Hill only, are only good at one bookmaker. I can't really do one bookmaker. I mean, I can do one bookmaker, but um, it's not fair on people, um, because if you, you know, and you could argue maybe that I was cherry-picking, so I'm just going to put these guys in just to see how many bookmakers they are. Who was the other guy I was talking about? Scotty Scheffler. How many bookmakers are you good at? I think you're going to just be good at William Hill, aren't you? Um, well, no, actually, they're good at a couple. Interesting. I really do have options. There's so much value around for the US Masters. It's crazy. Uh, I'm going to try and cap it at 15%. So I've, I'm at 20%. So I've got to take a 20 to 1 guy out, essentially. So I'm a 20 to 1 guy. I'm going to take out as the favourite, Scotty Scheffler. And I think that'll be my um, that'll be my set. I do have Matt Fitzpatrick at Jeff Banks. I'd rather not have a Jeff Banks guy here. Um, can I get someone else instead of... Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with Matt Fitzpatrick, and he's yellow on my graph as well. So I'd love to have him. It's just the lead bookmaker is Jeff Banks, and that's just... I I would understand if someone looked at me and went, are you joking? Are you laughing? <laughs> so let's get someone comparable to Matt Fitzpatrick. Where is he? He's down here at 50 to 1. If I scan around him, we do have uh, Joaquin Neiman, who has um, been... Letting me down. Oh, Justin Rose. I can't possibly put Justin Rose. In. My mate's got a joke. It's not really that funny a joke. That every single time uh, he predicts who's going to win a golf tournament, he says Justin Rose. Um, how can Justin Rose only be 55 to 1? I, I, he performs really badly on my graph. But he's, um, he's big EV. He's big EV at the 10 places and the 8 places and the 9 places bookmakers. So I think the suggestion there is he's going to sneak in. So now I've covered 14.3% of the field. Do I really want Justin Rose or do I want um, Luke List instead? Um, who's double the odds, so I'm sacrificing a bit of a chance. What, 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 the, what is the sacrifice if I take Luke List instead? I'm sort of dropping from 14. 8 to 14.3 to... Th oh, 13.8, sorry. I mean, that's not too bad, is it? 
and Luke List is just 131% EV. Justin Rose is 121% EV. That's quite significant. Can I have... Um, I've got 13.8% now. I wish I had a little bit more. I think I'm going to take out Seamus Power. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave Seamus Power in. And I'm just going to have nine players. Because there's so much value around for the Masters. It's just crazy not to take it. Right? So, um, final list... Final list, Luke List, the three guys over 100 to 1. Luke List, Seamus Power, uh, Thomas Peters, and Bob McIntyre. Um, couple in the middle, three in the middle, Max Homer, Justin Rose, and Shane Lowry. And the two shorties, if you like, are Sam Burns and Xander Shaw-Faley. And that's 15.35% of the field. At bookmaker prices, it doesn't really matter. It's only... It's only meant to be a relative benchmark, the percentage field coverage. Yeah, that's um 15.35% of the field covered. So I'm now just going to have a little break whilst I send these out and put them up on the site. And then we will come back and have a look at some DraftKings. SpaceX. Nice. So that pause went on for a little longer than expected. Is this bad? Um, I was going to pretty much press record and the doorbell went and it was the Morrison's delivery guy. And I didn't really need a Morrison's delivery guy because we did a Morrison's delivery guy yesterday. But I need coffee because I don't really eat during the day, during the week. So the first time I'll either not eat at all or I'll eat at about 5, 6 p.m. And to get to 5, 6 p.m., especially through the afternoon, occasionally I need coffee. I absolutely need coffee. I need it, 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 I need it. I'm a huge addict. I need to be fixed up to the caffeine to survive. Um, and I come downstairs, and there's only one spoonful of coffee left in the whole house, in the whole house. And I've got to do the school run, and then I've got loads of stuff to do today. Loads of stuff. I've got this to record. I've got some uh, stuff to sort out with coupons in the background where they're not officially importing um, and that needed fixed. Um, I've stupid, I've got this canvas project outside in my carport where I've got this MDF up against the hedge and I'm doing some graffiti um, canvases. And um, I've, I've done a brilliant Princess Peach stencil with the kids this morning and I need to stencil that out. And st- the, the cutting out actually takes forever. And this sounds stupid, but in my head, I'm thinking either I drive to the shops to buy coffee or I do the stenciling, but I'm not doing both. And I prefer to do the stenciling. I quite like it. It's quite a calming influence in life, especially early morning. I hit the gym and then um, uh, I'm working on the artwork. And then in the middle of the morning, you just stop what you're doing. It's cathartic. You put some nice music on in the background and get your craft on with your stupid craft desk that you bought for more money than you wanted to spend it on. But because of all of this, I just couldn't be bothered to go to the shop. And so I went online and I did a Morrison's delivery, but they need a minimum of 40 quid and all I needed was coffee. And incidentally, a five pound jar of Dewey Egberts in the shop is seven pounds on Amazon online. And so like, I, you buy one jar, but you're going to run out of that jar. So you need three jars. But now I'm spending 21 quid on a 15 pound jar of Dewey Egberts. And I'm now looking at that six quid thinking... Should I just go to the shops? Because now it's turned into six quid. I'll top it up with things we don't actually need. And so 
uh, get some mushrooms, even though we got mushrooms, get some peppers, get some toilet roll tissue, get some um, kitchen paper, even though we got loads of both of those. And now I've got a fridge full of vegetables that I'm definitely throwing away before they're eaten and everything like that. And all of this just because I couldn't be bothered to drive to the shop to get coffee that I needed. Anyway, I ordered it at 10 a.m. and it was here by 12.30. So, SpaceX. Nice. So that's just a little overview of the process that I do week after week. I'm running at like 70% ROI recently. I'm running at um, 40% long-term. And it's nothing more than just subjectively picking from the Plus EV guys with all the information at my disposal. You know, if two guys are 33 to 1 and similar EV and similar position on the graph, then I'm basically flipping a coin over which one I choose. And it doesn't matter. I don't put too much thought into it. Maybe one week, one guy wins. Maybe... You know, a little bit later on, the other guy is higher EV and he wins. In one particular week, obviously, you notice the difference, but it's when you're doing it week after week after week after month after month after month after year after year that all this variance evens out and we're just left at the end of it with the EV, with the equity, with the equity that we're betting on plus EV players over and over again. That So I've um, I've made my selections. I've got my guy out and shop now i've got a bankroll for my guy out and shop he's betting each way bets i've got a completely separate bankroll for win only on the exchange and i've just gone to markets it takes me three minutes and i just run through them i'm betting at a staking level multiple times the one thousand pound bankroll that i advocate for so if you're working at two thousand pounds double those stakes five hundred pounds half the stakes ten thousand pounds times ten the stakes and it takes me three minutes to go through some markets and just put them on which is that that speed is what is most attractive to me weird thing going on at markets always there's so little liquidity in the back and so much liquidity in the lay of every golfer and it's every single one look shane lowry 31 to pound 31 pounds to back at 48 1265 pounds to lay at 50 same as sam burns 24 at 50 1530 at 55 so you may look at that and go well i'm not going to trade the lay with my back because there's just too much to eat through I'll just take what's available at the back. Don't do that. Try and trade the lay. I was trying to trade the lay. It took about five minutes. Uh, there's something weird with the display algorithm and the seeding of the money in there. But you'll always get the lay if you go for it. You just need to be patient. I think they're trying to put people off. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know why they do it. Anyway, that's the market. Also, it's markets um, when it's liquid. Betfair would be much better if I had access to it, but I don't. It's first-round leader. Now, I don't have a tangible set of proven maths for first round leader but i i do bet roughly what i do is i pick up the track and i put the purple guys into first round leader so now i'm betting on the high odds guys a lot more than i am doing outright over 72 holes why do that well first round leader is an odd market it's almost exactly the same ordering as the outright but the belt the distribution of odds are more squashed together so the reason for that is imagine Justin Thomas, who's a favourite, is matched up against Harry Higgs, who's an outsider. Now, over 72 holes, Justin Thomas will probably beat Harry Higgs nine times out of ten. But over 18 holes, it may only be seven times out of ten because there's a lot more luck and variance over 18 holes. But over 72 holes, skill rises to the top. And for that reason, Justin Thomas might be 10 to 1 outright, but 15 to 1 for first round leader, similarly, Harry Higgs may be 500 to 1 outright, 200 to 1 first round leader. So you squash those odds in. The favourites get a little bit longer, 
and the outsiders get a little bit shorter. Now, what happens on our trackers, we tend to find that the outsiders are the top EV guys. And my particular strategy, which I've been doing, is I've just been taking everybody that's purple. And sometimes when there's an event, when there's not many purple, I'll take everyone that's purple and everyone that's green. And I'll just bet them first round leader to win a, a unit win staking plan. Um... And the reason I'm doing this is I'm really kind of employing the theory that smart money is coming in and pushing those plus EV prices higher up in the tracker. So there are people out there that think, for example, this week, they must think for some reason that the smart guys think that Justin Rose is going to win. That's the only reason I can think that he's that high up in the tracker. And so I'll take all the top purple guys and something like the, um, the US Masters, one of the biggest value events of the year. You know, you could bet players almost blindly in the US Masters and be getting a good bet. I'm not going to go down to the greens and stuff like that. The purple will be fine. I'll just load up the first round market with all the purple. So I'll do that probably after the Bashcast, maybe tomorrow morning. Um, and then the final thing is DraftKings. So DraftKings is the American sports betting network, and they've got around the uh, prohibition on sports betting in many states by offering fantasy sports where you pick some NFL players or basketball players or football players, you put them in a team, and then you buy into a tournament with the same sort of structure as a poker tournament where you all buy, you know, 10 people buy in for $10 and the winner might get 50, second place 30, third place 20 kind of thing. And everyone else gets nothing. And then some rate goes to the house. In fact, they've got a $15 tournament here where you can win a million dollars for first place. You've only got to outlast 315,000 people. So here I'm going to have a look at... I've already joined it and I've put a draft team together, which I did yesterday. And the reason I do that is um, just in case I get hit by a bus, uh, I can still enter the tournament. <laughs> and when I come out of my coma or if I die, my wife still gets the payout on something. But um, I don't particularly want this team. So this is the $555 PGA signature hole. There are 150 entrants in this. There's already 121, so it's... Uh, Quite a few. Ten grand up for first place, and I think it's a thousand for thousand dollars for thirty sixth or something like that. Right. And I basically just match these up with the the selections I put on the site and what I'm betting when only. Right. So I've got to, now you've got a salary of fifty thousand um, dollars. The one strategy to use really is you want to fill that strat uh, that fifty thousand dollars up. The Salary cost, the price cost of each player at DraftKings roughly matches the odds they are in the exchange. Not this, exactly the same, but roughly. So you've got $50,000 to spend of imaginary money. If you leave $10,000 out there by only going for the outsiders, I mean, what you're saying, that, that's the same as covering 5% of the field when you could have covered 10% of the field for the same amount of money. It's going to be a negative EV strategy over time. So the first thing is use your... Use your bankroll as much as you can, is the first thing. The second thing is try and avoid the obvious players because everyone in the tournament will be going for the same person. So in the Valero, Texas last week, I avoided Rory McIlroy. One, he wasn't plus EV, so I wouldn't have chosen him anyway. But two, I just knew people were going to go for him. And everyone did. And um, I was in this tournament with six other people. And half the tournament left didn't have a chance by the halfway stage because they were on Rory McIlroy and a couple of other guys and they didn't make the cut. So your goal is to have all your players make the cut or five of six, but also not have the same players as everybody else. And this is where I think the selections from the tracker come into play quite well because they, they're highlighting people that 
Not everyone else is thinking about it, especially the Americans who are always betting your Justin Thomases, your Bryson DeChambeau's, your Colin Morikawa's. So let's empty my field, which yesterday was Hovland, Lowry, Burns, Hatton, Fitzpatrick and Peters. I'll tell you this, I'm leaving Peters in. I just am. <laughs> I just am. I'm just leaving Peters in. So he's one of the cheaper guys as well. He's 6,600. Um, how many cuts has he made? Does it tell you? Peters. I can't spell his name. No, it doesn't really matter. Let's get... Okay, Peters. P-I-E-T. He's made um, four of six cuts, but that will include DP Walter, average 71.1. Okay, so first things first, let's fill up the middle guys, because I always want the middle guys. The question really I always have is, do I want the outsiders or, and do I want the favourites? Can I afford the favourites? So my favourites in this t tournament are Burns and Rose. Uh, sorry, Burns and um, Chaufeli. So I want Lowry, Rose, all the middle guys, the 50 to 1 guys, Lowry, Rose, Homer, they're my no-brainers. And I want to know how much um, money i got left. So I've got 20,000, so I can actually afford two fairly expensive guys. Z in fact, I can afford everyone. Xander's 9,600. And then if I put in my next guy, Burns, he's affordable. How much money am I leaving on the table? I'm leaving $1,800. It's a little bit more than, than normal, but I'm okay with that. Um, because, well, one, my only three players outside these guys are Bob McIntyre, Seamus Powers, and Luke Liston. They're all at 100 to 1. So it's almost like I'd be leaving more money on the player if I table if I drafted these guys in. And it's not that much. I think my threshold's about $2,500 from the 50000 At that point, I would maybe go back to the tracker. It's probably worth one more last view of the golf tracker, just in case. So my longest-priced guy is Max Homer, who is 80 to 1. And if I got rid of Max Homer, I might be able to afford a Taylor Gooch or a Louis Oosthuizen. And a Taylor Gooch, he's one of those that's expensive at DraftKings and isn't, and is quite a long price on the exchanges. So do I want Homer or do I want Gooch? It's a big question. And Homer's 80 to 1 at Skybet to... 11 places. Gucci's 100 to 1 sky bet, 11 places. So I'm going to go for the shorter price guy. They're both roughly the same EV. So this is a complete coin flip between Homer and this, but I'm going for Homer. Update entry. There you go. That's my $555 DraftKings tournament team. Nobody copy that, please. Nobody come into this tournament to copy that, and then we'll, we'll finish tied first because that'll be really irritating. Okay, look, that's enough for this week. Whatever it is that you're betting on, I mean, look, you could pretty much blindly close your eyes and bet on the US Masters. And if you're not even going to do that, it is the Grand National on the weekend. All good fun to be had there. This is Tom signing out. <laughs> <laughs>